economic health of this nation has been. There are four essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline in the dollar. Lack of a better word. Late rally on Wall Street. It's too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on radio. I'm your host, Nick Antonucci, uh, research analyst, joined today by Casey Smith, managing associate, and Jared McKenzie, senior associate. You got it, man. Both certified financial planners joining yes, us sir. from our P&I department today. Good to have you here, guys. Thanks. Good Glad to be, to be here. here. So... Uh, as you guys know, we're going to start off the segment with a little bit of recap of what's been going on in the markets this week. It's a different week than what we've had the past few. Yeah. We've had volatility for once. Right. <laughs> Quite a bit, too. We shouldn't be too excited about that, but it is. I know, right? It, the, it's just unusual. So, uh, you know, the market's down a little bit this week. Yeah, down about one and a quarter percent. The interesting thing is, though, it's not, I guess, you know, economic fundamentals or concern regarding that that's really driven the market lower this week. Right. I mean, if you turn on the TV, you know it's geopolitical tensions. It's mm-hmm. Korea. It's North Korea yeah. and the rhetoric back and forth with them. They came out saying, hey, we have, you know, miniaturized warheads. We can put in missiles now. And obviously that's a threat to sure. really anyone who those missiles can reach or any of our allies. Trump comes out and says, you will be met with fire and fury and then came out today the likes of which said, have never been seen that's right and, ca- and in fact came out today and said something along the lines of that was an understatement yeah. you know this is within the past couple of hours yeah um that's been in the headlines so it sort of reminds me of like a uh, wwe raw it like, really does you know promo I'm the on. language is like <laughs> yeah, I mean, you come up with this it's yeah. getting a little a little crazy as far as the the rhetoric is concerned and even china is is coming out and like all right you guys need to need to calm down everybody just take a step back take a deep breath let's all come to, to our the senses thing is here. That nobody wants this this is not good for anyone this yeah. is certainly not good for north korea no. I, and and one thing that needs to be understood is we're not – it's not like North Korea is going to fire a missile off and hit us over here. They don't have that sort of range. You know, they talk about Guam, which it's not wise of them to come out and threaten yeah. us like that. But the concern is, you know, they fire off – if we fire at them or they fire off at South Korea, obviously our allies, we have to – we have to go in and support them. Well, so I don't think it gets shot down even if they tried. You know, I, I think so, too. I think so, too. I think at this point it's a lot of talk, and I don't anticipate anything to come of it mm-hmm. in the near term. But it's certainly driving the markets lower, um, as we mentioned. So still up for the year, 10.46% on the S&P 500. Can't really complain about that. We always say the long-term average return on, the, on large cap stocks is about 10%. So um, we're basically right in line with that. As has been the case for the whole year, technology is leading us higher, up 2%, uh, followed by healthcare and utilities. So two more defensive plays there. I think it's interesting that you still have utilities, one of the top three performers, as people probably are making a yield play yeah, on that. Still hard to find yield anywhere else. It than. really is, and we'll get into kind of where treasuries are um, in just a little bit. Um, energy sector continues to be the worst performer, even as energy prices are up year over year. And actually, it's a good good place for us to transition, kind of recap earnings season since it is winding to a close. We're about 90% of the way through earnings season. Um, overall, S&P 500 has grown earnings just under 10%. And um, actually, what's interesting is this 
could be the first time since 2011 that we've had back-to-back consecutive double-digit earnings growth. So we're just shy of that right now, but I mean, you're talking, you know, just rounding there up to 10%. Yeah. But back to energy, energy's grown earnings 210%. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, you have easy comps. That's but, what I was about to say. The comps are, are quite a bit lowered after the, the, you know, energy downturn, you know, over the past, what, 24 months previously right. to, to, I guess, 2016. Um, so it's... It's been kind of a, a wild ride for energy, but that the comps being lower should help, you know, help their earnings, right? I yeah, mean, absolutely. And and these energy companies, they've learned how to operate in this environment. You know, they've gotten more and more lean. So you're seeing profitability return. They can drill at lower and lower prices. But then again, as soon as that happens, that's what's pushing, you know, supply higher and prices right back down. Yeah. So and this is actually, you know, this is trickling through into a number of readings. You're not seeing a whole lot in terms of inflation because you know, energy prices, oil prices is dragging that reading down. Well, and energy prices have an impact on other sectors too, like industrials in particular. Has absolutely. A, a big impact in that sector. Absolutely. Um, overall, earnings season been pretty good. It's beaten expectations by about 5%. So um, can't be too upset about that. Uh, we'll recap some of the uh, economic releases for last Friday as well as this week. Um, First, uh, first economic release from last weekend, we had uh, employment situation on Friday. Um, labor picture continues to look good. We had payroll gains rebound in June with the addition of 222,000 jobs, which exceeded expectations. Uh, figures for the two previous months were also revised higher by about uh, 47,000. Employers added on average 194,000 jobs each month, which is about twice what we need to keep pace uh, with the growth in Population. Right. And and the unemployment rate actually edged higher a little bit. Which yeah, you is, got people is, moving into the workforce, exactly. moving back into the workforce. So you're starting to see some, some definite tightening. I mean, we, we've got to be, if not at full employment, pretty darn close. That's the thing. No, what's the real definition yeah. of full employment? I mean, if you look back historically, I mean, how much lower can you yeah, get? Yeah, pretty you know, much are there. Well, yeah. when you start seeing more workers entering the labor force, I think that's the, the indicator. I mean, to me, it makes sense that you would have, um, you know, that labor force starting to shrink even as you know people who are underemployed or whatever um, are now moving back into into the labor market so th- even though the unemployment rate is slightly higher it still indicates sort of a tightening in, in the overall labor market when you consider underemployment and things like that yeah absolutely but I mean with the labor market tightening the one thing we were still yet to see is you know meaningful wage growth um, rose 0.2 percent in the month for an annual gain of 2.5 percent now that's above where we're seeing inflation right now but for as tight as the labor market is, you would expect to see wage growth. And economists keep talking, you know, hey, it's coming, it's coming. But we've we've yet to see that. So yeah, hopefully the, the Fed, I mean, is, is kind of talked about raising rates. They've raised rates a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they continue to talk about now that the focus is shrinking the balance sheet, trying to, to go in and um, allow some of the, the bonds that they purchased to mature and they're not going to reinvest, basically, right? Right. So uh, that should indicate that they believe inflation is coming at some point, but we haven't seen it yet. Absolutely. So I, I don't know what the what the outcome is going to be for that. And, you know, Yellen, when is her term up, Nick? Is that in January or something like that? I February? don't know when it ends, but I, I know there's a very, I think they're putting a 20% chance that she's actually uh, reappointed as Fed chair. Yeah. So, so we'll likely see some shuffling there. She's trying to, to cement her legacy sort of to, to some extent. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do over the next, you know, six to eight months. Yeah. Even next week, we've got a Fed meeting next Wednesday. So, uh, you know, 
if you look at the world interest rate probabilities, uh, it doesn't look like we're going to get another interest rate hike until March, believe it or not. Right. It's the first time we see it above 50%, I think about 57%. So really what it tells us is probably the focus is going to be on, like you said, unraveling the balance sheet, you yeah. know, winding down the balance sheet. How much are they going to reinvest um, and, and really guide us in terms of a timeline for, for how they're going to do this? Um, MBA mortgage applications were released uh, on Wednesday, saw uh, an increase in mortgage applications, so that's good. Index overall rose 3%. Refinance was up 5.3%, and the purchase index was up just under 1%. Uh, productivity and cost was also released on Wednesday. Non-farm productivity rose 0.9%. Um, in the second quarter, on a year-ago basis, productivity growth was up 1.2%. Um, the overall trend in productivity really remains weak. L unit labor costs increased 0.6% at an annual rate in the second quarter. Um, unit labor costs fell 0.2% over the last four quarters. Again, plays into the fact that we're really not seeing much in terms of wage growth at this time. Our weekly jobless claims number came out, um, and it was basically uh, basically up 3,000, 3, but the four-week moving average, which is what we tend to focus on, um, was only up 1,000, so no big concerns there. Um, producer price index was released Thursday. Uh, producer price index for final demand fell 0.1% in July, which was weaker than consensus expectations, with declines being pretty broad-based. So it goes back to the Fed saying, you know, hey, we think there may be a pullback in inflation in the short term, but this was a few months ago, and we still haven't seen inflation pick up. Um, we'll get CPI tomorrow, which is Friday. But, you know, when is this actually going to come to fruition, their expectations that we're going to get 2 to 2.5% inflation? Well, the, the inflation. thing that, you, that makes you scratch your head is, okay, we talked earlier about the labor market and how we are we have to be at full, full employment yeah. or, or close enough to it to make, make it logically – uh, an option that prices would start to go up, that wages would go up, which would then cause prices to go up, right? And that's right. sort of the, the exactly. normal cycle exactly. of how it works. And wages are still stagnant. Um, and I think the Fed is thinking the same thing that we are. And at some point, this thing has got to start moving in a direction where you're going to see wage growth and the prices are going to follow. It and just seems we're so late in the cycle for this to, to, to still be waiting on this. You yeah, know? I agree. And, and I don't understand what's causing the, the delay or causing the inflation to not be there. My concern is that at some point it's going to hit and, and it's going to hit uh, at a more rapid pace than we're prepared to handle. That could absolutely happen. You know, two things kind of that, that could help us. If we see energy prices tick higher, that'll translate into, you know, higher inflation as well as we've had a slight decline in the dollar uh, since Trump was voted in office. So right. again, that helps with inflation as well. So hopefully those things, those two things will play out. Um, interest rates were pretty much unchanged for the week. No big movements worth discussing. You got the 30-year bond at 2.81%, the 10-year at 2.22%. Um, 30-year mor uh, average mortgage rate, 3.92%. One last thing to touch on here, we had Disney come out and report earnings this week. Um, I believe it was a miss on the top line, miss on revenue, beat on earnings. But was what was interesting to see here is the big concern with Disney has been ESPN, mm -hmm. you know, slow revenue growth in ESPN um, viewership. But what they've decided to do is now come out with an over-the-top subscription-based product just for ESPN, which I think is going to be big for Disney because yeah, that's a, good a lot play. of people are tied to cable for the sports. That's exactly, I mean, I was going to mention that, you know, we, we cut our cable a while back and I actually had to resubscribe because you can't get the sports without yeah. the cable at this point. I mean, there are some of the, the streaming options now that are available that weren't available when I did this a couple of years ago, but 
uh, to, for Disney to come out and say they're going to offer a package that's just subscription-only ESPN, I think that's the right move. So why do you think it's getting hurt so bad, though, when, when you give positive guidance like that? And, yeah, I mean, it's probably it's not a great thing for them to be cutting ties with Netflix given how successful Netflix has been. But with that guidance, like you just said, Nick, I mean, with them developing this streaming service, you'd think, you know, it would have not been hit quite as hard as I it think, has. I think the movie studio, a miss there, a uh, decline there, was also uh, something that drove the stock lower. You had, I believe, it was Pirates of the Caribbean. It was basically a flop. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you don't have, a, you didn't have a, a strong lineup of releases for Disney yeah. um, in the quarter. So I think that's probably something else. I mean, the stock didn't get, the, was it down, like three and some percent in the end of the day, something like that. Yeah. So it's not like it got absolutely crushed. Um, and, and it's like you and I have t- talked about. I think seeing a pullback in a company like Disney, mm-hmm. like that, it's probably a buying opportunity. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that stands out to me is the profit at the theme parks grew 18%. Yeah. I mean, that's a big that's, And big that says move. a lot about the consumer, too. For sure. Yeah, uh, a lot of consumer. confidence left in the, in the, from the consumer side. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as, uh, as you know, if you're following the markets, this has been a volatile week. Um, there's no telling what tomorrow will bring, although, you know, when you see the headlines Thursday afternoon and it's more about North Korea and, and, and the threats, you have to assume that volatility is probably going to continue. We've seen a spike in the VIX, which is the volatility index. You know, a lot of people consider it the fear index. We've seen it jump 14% just on Wednesday, and this is three straight days that we've seen the VIX jump. Mm-hmm. Um, it's its highest level since May, so people are clearly taking notice, and shifting their assets so you know what does this mean long term there's no telling you know this could be as i mentioned earlier it's not like we've seen the economic data start signaling recession or that you should be concerned but these geopolitical tensions and these headlines they're going to drive the market yeah Yeah. the volatility is probably you know it's been historically low over the past several years absolutely uh so to see a a 14 percent jump in the vix I mean, it's a little bit shocking because we haven't seen that in a while, but it's not, you know, it's certainly not the all-time high for a, a move on the volatility index. The, the, uh, I guess the the biggest thing to think about now is just making sure that you're well positioned in your portfolio. If we do go into uh, an economic downturn, you know, it's been a long time since we've had a 20% decline in the market. Yeah. We typically get those, those on average once every three years, and we haven't had one since what 2011. Right. Is that right? So that was when the debt was downgraded. Um, and so, which, who knows what that picture is going to bring with uh, raising the debt ceiling again? Exactly. Not so so we might future. be up against that again. So th- there's there's definitely uh, a chance that we might see some market pullback here, and and we've been kind of preaching on that for a few months now. You know, we saw a good rally coming off the election, but. If you're not already covered for liquidity, now is a good time to think about doing that. If you haven't rebalanced your portfolio, now is a good time to do that. Well, you know the market has come back a little bit, but it's nothing like it could do. So it's still a good time to, to yeah. Look c- at. Consider you're still only down what like a one one and a quarter percent from an all-time high. Yeah, so. we're still up over ten percent for the year. So it's it's really just a blip at this point. But exactly. you want to be prepared in, in case it, it does continue and and we go into a bad market. And that's the importance of having a diversified portfolio. You know. Maybe now, and this isn't something we, we often often say, and I'm not saying you should now, but if it's something you're comfortable with, adding a small amount of exposure to gold, mm-hmm. you can do that. If that helps you sleep better at night, again, this is not something we, we preach, but if it yeah. is important that if it, if it helps you sleep better at night and you're not afraid that your portfolio is going to go to zero – then by all means do so. I mean you have gold outperforming this week. It's up 2.15% 
versus the market down 1.28. So I'm glad you bring that up because not much correlation there. That's a which point is what actually. You want. Yeah, we've had some clients ask that lately. You know, with with there being a downturn on the horizon, you know, when that is ultimately going to be, who knows? But that being the case, you still got inflation. You know, slowly creeping up, but to our point earlier in the show, it's not you know it's not excessive. However, interest rates are still going to continue to rise, and as that has you know the inverse relationship, as you guys know, uh, with bond yields and 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 the effect it has on fixed income in general. Where do you go if I'm still not getting anything on fixed income, and you know I'm I'm afraid of the stock market or or you know growth equities, if you will, then you know where where do I go? Where do I put this money if you're saying all of this is yeah. sort of playing in? Well, and diversification. I mean, like. Nick said earlier, that's that's really a big key component here because if you look internationally, there might be some opportunity there. Absolutely. You know, we've seen the international markets be down. We always tell clients, as long as it's in, in a diversified portfolio, the international exposure actually reduces your overall risk, which is not something right. but that's sort of counterintuitive because you right. think internationally, think risky. If you incorporate that into a well-diversified domestic portfolio, it brings your standard deviation measure of risk down. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, you know, there's a whole remember there's a whole world outside of U.S. equities. So, yep. you know, make make sure you're open-minded um, to that. And, and it may, as Casey said, it may be a good time to rebalance, as we've been talking about for several months now. Maybe you transition more into bonds because, yeah, you're going to see probably a, a, a decrease in yields from everyone moving into bonds. But if you're managing for like total return, if it's in a retirement account or something like that, you should get that price appreciation on the yeah. other side. So, you know. Yeah. And and we've seen you know in our portfolios, you guys Nick have have moved our managed portfolios to a more defensive type position. We've gotten a little bit heavier in utilities, um, you know, increased the the weighting to a number of like consumer staples things. Yeah, that are, healthcare, that are the, the be, more defensive sectors. Exactly. So we're we're pretty well positioned, we think, uh, and. Uh, what that means for individual clients is making sure that their portfolio is is in line with our model so that we're able to to keep them more defensive as well. Sure. Hey, you know, one last thought, guys. It makes me wonder is we went through these periods where we had a lot of small terrorist attacks, you know, over the past, let's say, five years. And every time it seemed to affect the market less and less to a point where nowadays you don't really even see the market react. If we continue to see these headlines day after day, week after week, at what point does the market start to kind of brush it off and say, oh, you know, I'm uh, I'm not that worried about it anymore? And I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see that happen. Well, and you, you think about the way the markets work and, and the short-term you know, market movements are going to be driven by the headlines. That, yeah. That's probably not going to change. In the long run, though, what really matters is the earnings of the companies. As long as the companies can continue to produce earnings and grow their earnings over time, you're going to see the stock price rise. And there's just that's just how it works. That's exactly and, right. Uh, so, you know, I've had been fielding calls from clients who are nervous about North Korea, and rightfully so. I mean, there's a lot of words being thrown out right now that don't give you a warm and fuzzy. You just have to remember, we've been through this before. 9-11, World War II, Vietnam War. There's been global conflicts for as Forever. long as yeah, Forever. as long as man has roamed the earth, so uh, this isn't the first time, and it won't be the last. And just take a long-term approach. So, if you want to take the volatility out of the equation, cover for liquidity. Don't go into it having or having to or needing, you know, income from the portfolio that you can't get to easily. Absolutely, that's right. Well, guys, you know how we do it at the end here: up or down next week. It's got to be up after this week. Yeah, it's going up. I agree, going up. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. 
The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.